hello, and welcome to Growing with Kendall. My name is Kendall Motes, and I'm so excited that you chose to come back for another podcast. To wrap up our mail-in month, I am here with Nathan Peisinger today from North Hartford High School, and he's in 11th grade, just as well as a lot of our FFA members. And he has a really cool essay. I don't want to spoil it at all because I have a tendency to do that, and I don't let them talk about their essay like it is their essay because I don't want them introducing my podcast. But Nate has some really cool stuff to share with us today about his podcast and the really good stuff that he's been doing at his school and just at, oh, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, at the farm that he has been working at. Nate, how are you doing today? I am great, Kendall. How are you? Good. Thank you. So you and I had our little pre-interview, but no one else got to sit in on that. So how about you tell everybody about your SAE and what category it falls into? All right. So the essay I'm um, currently going with, through with is a placement essay. So it's an unpaid internship. And where I do it is a farm called Sharho. And at this farm, it is also a sober living home for women that are trying to overcome drug abuse. So it's essentially a rehabilitation center. And they will live and work on this farm the full time while they're there. And fortunately, this leads to over an 80% rehabilitation rate where most of the women will stay sober, which is significantly higher than the state and national average, which is something we're really proud of. Now, is this the only rehabilitation center anywhere like that is like this, like where the women come, they work or they live on the farm full time and then they work? So as far as we know of, it is. And especially we know for sure in the state of Maryland, because we have a lot of people that tour and ask if there's a place like this where they could go because they see the success rates and they they want to be able to you know have have as much success as these women are with their um, rehab. But unfortunately, we don't have the money to set up another one. And as far as we know, up and down, I mean, at least the whole East Coast, we're the only place like this. And unfortunately, we also don't have a male counterpart. Have, has your, now this is a nonprofit charity, right? Yes. Now, are you guys in control of maybe having another like farm for men or having another farm for women or is that kind of out of your hands or who's who makes that decision if that could happen one day so mr derrick is the one who runs this organization and while that's something we i mean we would love to do that but we don't have the resources or the finances to make that happen so as much as we'd love to have something because i mean the whole point is for people to get better and that's, that's all it comes down to. It's, it's a agriculture, it's a farm, yes, but at the end of the day, we want people to get better. And it, it's always hard when people ask if there's something for them because we have to say no. And we don't have the capabilities to open up another one. Um, and it's unfortunate, but we, I mean, we've looked into it and maybe sometime in the future that's something we could work towards but right now it's it's not feasible now you seem to be like very well rounded and educated on your se project and on the char hope farm how long have you been working there how long have you been doing like charity work there and volunteering okay so i've been doing this as my sae for about three years wow okay even prior to that i've worked on the farm probably for a total of five years now where I've actually worked there, but I've also done other 
various things with Mr. Derek that help support the organization. So upwards of five years about. That's amazing. How did you find out about Char Hope? Okay, so I was fortunate enough to know Mr. Derek, who is the who runs this organization. And when I found out that there was something I could do to just help and just you know make make life easier for a lot of people especially people that are struggling and aren't as fortunate as a lot of us realize we are. Um, it was just something that I, I couldn't say no to. Um, now, I'm sorry, you probably just said this and I didn't hear you, but did your parents, like, how did you get to know Mr. Derek? Was that through your parents? Okay. Yeah, so my dad and Mr. Derek, who owns the organization, or started the organization, rather, it's not okay. something you can really own, um, have many friends, which means... I've met Mr. Derek throughout when I was growing up and just, I, I had known him and it wasn't someone I worked closely with until we started working on the farm. I got you. Now, how long has Charhope been around for? How many years? So it's been around as an organization a long time. I don't, I don't know the exact time we started, but I, I say that that the location we're at where we do work with agriculture, this agricultural component is pretty recent. Um, so that was about within the past uh, 10, 15 years, I want to say, we started the agricultural component. Okay. I think I, think, I want to say seven years ago, but I can't remember exactly. So around 10 years ago, um, we started the agricultural component. It wasn't always like, um, we didn't always have a farm that we worked and lived on. Um, when we went through the rehabilitation stuff, but it was always it was always a foundation to essentially help those that are trying to overcome addiction. And eventually, we came into possession of the farm and being able to work and live on the farm, and that has just exponentially improved our rehabilitation rate. That's amazing. These women that come to the farm to go through that rehabilitation process. Do they work every single day on the farm? Yeah, so they live and work on the farm, so they don't ever have to leave the farm. Um, so during a whole time there and the process, they will live and work on the farm. They don't even need to leave the property. So there's a house on the farm that they live in, and, I mean, it's got everything you would need to live in a house. <laughs> and that sounds kind of weird, but, I mean... Some people don't understand, like, oh, you're living on a farm, you know, do you have running water? Yes, you have running water. But I'm sure that's something that's obvious for most people. Um, and on the farm, they will just go and work in the mornings. They'll feed the animals. They'll groom the animals. They'll clean the stalls. Um, and then throughout the day, they also work on these, like, lessons and stuff where they where they work on how they can better set their mindset on trying to move past this addiction and being more productive with themselves. You said that some of their daily tasks is like feeding the animals and like farm work in the morning. Um, Kind of two questions. Real early, bright and early to get up and feed the animals, let them out of their stalls if they were in stalls overnight back in the pastures. What kind of animals do you guys have on the farm? Okay, so we have, I mean, if you name it, we probably have it. Um, We've got two goats that, I'll start with them because they're more therapy animals. They don't really have as much of an agricultural purpose as the other ones. Um, 
and then we'll have a type of sheep called Katadic sheep. And these, this breed of sheep is a hair sheep, meaning that we don't have to shear them. We don't have to um, go through with like processing or wool or anything. So we use them purely as meat sheep because that's what hair sheep are for. And um, we were herd of these sheep and then um, periodically we'll take some of the herd and we'll cull some of them and then we'll also um, repopulate the herd. So we have some rams that will breed with some of these ewes, which lead to us repopulating the herd and then repeating the process where we then call the herd once it gets too large. Um, and the same thing occurred, we have um, a cross between Charlet and Angus cows and Charlet cows are originated in France, as you can probably tell from the name. And then um, you have obviously the famous Angus cow. And if you cross these two breeds, you get a very nice marbling with just enough muscle to have the right texture. But you have all the nice fat and marbling that you need to have a good um, beef quality and taste to it, which is why we cross those two breeds. And while we don't keep any bulls on the farm, we'll occasionally bring bulls in to breed the herd. And we'll do occasionally if we have to, we can do AI, but we don't, we don't really focus on that because again, it's not, it's not like these women worked in agriculture their whole life. So we normally just bring the bull in to do it naturally and inseminate the herd. Um, like I say last year, we had about five bull calves that we ended up selling um because we don't always need to keep the bulls so uh it's safer to just keep the cows in the herd which is why we um sell the bulls and whether or not they become veal or they go to another farm where they're raised is totally up to whoever buys the bulls and then we also have a guernsey cow named harper and she's a sweetheart um and we're hoping we got her in an auction about a year ago and we're hoping to eventually breed her and have her as a dairy cow that we can milk. But right now we don't, she's still an adolescent and um, still in the juvenile stages of life. So we can't really milk her yet because she's not lactating at all. Um, and then we have anywhere between a hundred to a couple hundred broiler chicks at any given time. And since they're broiler chicks, they only last a couple months before we then send them to the butchers where they're slaughtered. And then we bring in a new set of hatchlings where we raise up those broiler chicks to repeat the process a couple months later. So at any given time, we have a couple hundred, and usually they're Rhode Island red broiler chicks, which is also why we have a lot of Rhode Island red, um, both hens and roosters. So um, a trick that, I mean, not all, not all ag kids know about, but a lot of people do is where if you hold a uh, candle or a light up to an egg, you can see if it's been um, fertilized or not. So ever since we started having roosters in with our laying hens, we have to check our eggs before we sell them to make sure they're not fertilized. Um, and then we also have an apiary with bees. So we sell honey and different types of bee products. And then finally we have a lot of horses. Um, and it varies how many we have, depending on how many we're going to be boarding at the time. But recently we just retired one of our horses he was an old rodeo horse uh, named reds about 27 years old and we just moved him to our retired pasture with all the other older horses and that sums up all the animals we have on the farm um usually and then occasionally we'll have a variety of swine animals so we'll have different we'll have either durocs or yorkshires or different types of hogs that way we can use those hogs because 
as many people in agribusiness know, pork sells quickly and probably the quickest out of any other meats. Now, you talked a lot about this production and, like, your hopes for this Guernsey cow that you guys just got to hopefully, like, get milk out of her then in a couple of years. And all of this, like, you sell it then. You said, like, you sell the eggs, you'll sell the honey, and um, what else would you sell? Oh, I'm assuming you sell meat, too. Yes. Yeah, so um, all, the, all the chickens and the um, lambs and the steer or actually cows, too. We don't raise the steer. Um, any of the uh, cattle that we call ends up getting slaughtered, and we take the meat back, and we sell the meat either at auction or we sell it directly to the farm. Now, where does that money go? Does that just go right back into Char Hope, or does it... Yeah, so that money will go right back... Oh, I'm sorry, you cut you off. No, you're okay. Um, that money goes right back into the organization, and... Because again, we're a nonprofit, and we're not we're not here to turn a profit and make obscene amounts of money. I mean, a lot of the meat is reasonably priced, like very reasonably priced. Um, because I'm sure most people know a lot of a lot of meat production now is vertically integrated, so it goes to a variety of different corporations, or eventually get to the grocery store where you buy it, which causes you know lots of price markups along the way. That way, everyone gets their cut. Where we just sell it straight from the straight from the farm so a lot of the meat's really well priced but at the same time we're not turning a profit so we sell enough we sell it at a price that's enough to keep us going and sustain the farm and the organization but we don't we don't mark it up or make a profit off of anything because it again it's not not the point of the farm yeah Our, the point is to help people not to, you know make this big amount of money yeah the production side is just a, a bonus to the whole thing absolutely now we talked a lot about the animals and about what the women do on the farm but this podcast is about you so what are some of the jobs that you do on the farm how often do you work there so i would say most days of the week i'll work there probably or like two to three hours a day usually so not not that long but um, a lot of the stuff that a lot of the women don't understand how to do because again they're not they're not coming from an agricultural background they're just coming in and they're learning as they go um, which great credit to anyone that has to learn you know they get thrown into it and then they just kind of learn as it's going um, so anything like when we bring in the bulls to uh, uh, inseminate all the cattle and the herd. Um, that's something like Mr. Derek and I will do because, again, trying to handle, you know, big intact bulls around a bunch of cows that are in heat isn't always a cakewalk. <laughs> um, so that's something that myself or Mr. Derek will help with. Um, and then if we're doing, like, um, anything with, like, the horses or, like, we're doing groundwork with some of the horses because, again, we'll have people come in that take tours of the program. So different... Um, rehabilitation centers will come in to like tour the program and like learn about agricultural not to stay but just to come for the day to learn um so if we're doing things where like we're teaching about the animals that's something i'm usually a part of and then if we're like you know if we will let them come in to groom the horses and learn how like what the different types of grooming tools are um so that's something where like i'll i'll take the horses on a lead rope and a halter and walk them around or, and sometimes we have kids come and we'll do events with kids with um, whose parents are 
currently like struggling with addiction or have lost parents to addiction and they'll come in and we'll do like a like a fun day or where we'll like put them on top of the horses and we'll, we'll walk them through obstacles and just do essentially groundwork with the horses with the kid on top. And it's normally a pretty fun time. And that's something I'll normally, I'll normally walk the horse on the lead rope and stuff for that. Just because it's, it's not something that, you know, it, it, it's not hard, but it's just something where if you know what you're doing, it's a little bit easier. I um, mean, especially like if we're rotating pastures with animals, that's something I'll normally help with. So, like, when we have that herd of sheep that we're rotating from pasture to pasture, um, that's something that I'm normally there for because it's easier the more people you have. And then I think, finally, the biggest thing that I'll also help with is we grow and harvest all of our own hay, hay, hay and grain. So, whenever we're in harvest season, um, that's something Richard Eric and I will ride around on the tractors and get through. And then that's... That's always a multi-day process, harvesting all the grain and the hay, and then stacking all of that back in top on the barn. Uh, the loft on the barn is always is always a process, but the more people you have, the quicker it is, and everyone just wants that to be done and over with. That's always one of those things that you got to get done. It's mundane, but I mean, the quicker you get it done, the happier everyone is. Yeah, and then you don't have to do it like again for however long. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, if we're lucky, we get maybe three harvests a year, normally around two. Um, but if we're lucky, we get three. And then throughout the whole winter, we're, we don't need to go through that process again, which thankfully, because that would be <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. That's the harvest all the year round. Harvesting year round would be a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> So you're a junior, Nathan, and I mean, I've been getting this question a lot. Oh, also, I just want to say, you said that you worked about like two to three hours, like almost every day. And I work about two to three hours every day, whether that's like babysitting or house cleaning or at like my actual job. And that's hard work. Like kudos to you for doing that because that like takes a lot out of you. And working on a farm is definitely a lot harder than like sitting and holding a baby for a couple hours. So I just wanted to say that like, that does not go unnoticed, but well, it's well. I do want to say it's it's not always hard work. You know, a lot of it's very rewarding, especially like when we when especially when some of the um, women are graduating and done the program, and we go and we have the whole ceremony, and that's it's always such a rewarding feeling, and it's something that you don't even notice the work you're doing because you always focus on that angle. I'm making sure everyone gets better. Yeah. And that's, that's at the end of the day, that's what's important. Mm -hmm. So as I was saying, you are like in 11th grade, everybody's asking the post high school questions. So I'm just going to add on to that list of people who ask, what are your plans after high school, um, like major wise or just career path wise? And do you think you'll stay in touch with the farm? So I'm, Definitely going to stay in touch with the farm. I mean, it's such a, it was it had such a profound impact on me, especially like I, I remember when I first started going. I myself wasn't in a good place, um, and overall, it's just been beneficial to me. And as much as I've helped them, uh, they've helped me more. So I, I I'm never going to be able to forget that. Um, so I mean, absolutely, I'm going to stay in touch with the women. And Mr. Derek and Miss Olivia, who is the agricultural head of that program. Um, but after college, 
I'm thinking I'm going to go into something that has to do with either psychology or um, engineering. And I don't know if you're asking colleges I'm looking at because I'm not sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. that is okay. I'm unsure of my college too, so that is okay. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, but I'm hoping at some point doing something with helping people. So maybe working in, you know, profiling for the FBI or the CIA or, or, I mean, even coming back and doing something that has to do with recovery, because again, next year, um, at North Hartford, all the ag kids have to do a capstone project, which is essentially a research project. Yeah. And, um, our caps or an I say our capstone. Um, the capstone that I'm going to be working with Mr. Derek as my mentor is going to trying to be able to quantify what really and just very isolate what is going to be um, that biggest impact on that success rate that we are lucky enough to have. I mean, we know it's the agricultural component, but what exactly are we doing right? That way we can um, replicate it and make sure everyone. I mean, if we can. If we can figure out exactly what's the most beneficial thing, we can send that out and all the other rehab centers could use that. So we're hoping to find a way to be able to quantify what really is the biggest psychological impact um, from the agricultural component. That is amazing. You guys are doing such good stuff at the farm, and I am extremely impressed with all of the work that you guys have been doing. I definitely... I don't know. That's just a lot of time and dedication that you guys have been putting towards it. And I'm just very, I'm very impressed with all the work that has gone into the farm. Well, I'm sure we're all thankful, but again, it's not, it's not something we're trying to do for recognition or anything. Um, I got pushed into this by my FFA advisor. So it wasn't something I was initially like, I wasn't playing, Oh, let me go on a podcast and brag about what we've done on the farm. It's the most important thing is making sure people get the help they need yeah and it's also it's raising awareness for that as well which i'm a big a big advocate for mental health as well so it's good to see that other people are passionate about helping others as well nathan do you have anything to close the podcast out with today um i'm putting you on the spot i you are putting me on the spot um i guess um i guess one of the most important things to remember no matter if you're in agriculture or not, is that the more selfless you are, the more reward you feel whenever something goes right. So always making sure that you spend that extra minute to help someone out is it's going to be the most rewarding feeling that you will ever have. And um, seeing someone else succeed because you had an impact on them. I mean, it, it, it's profound and it, it'll change your life. Um, I mean, for the better, especially, and making, making sure you can help someone else and making that time to just volunteer or honestly do anything to, you know, give back to your community. It's going to be the best thing you ever do in your life. And you can look back and say, you know, without like regretting not, not helping everyone out or not giving back or you can look back and say, yeah, I'm happy with what I did. I'm happy with what I did with the time I had. 
And, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, helping other people is going to make you feel a lot better, too. I mean, when, I, when I started working and volunteering more, I know I personally ended up, I mean, I was in a bad spot and I ended up, um, you know, really pulling myself out of a ditch. That That is like the best way to close out a podcast. Like motivational. We just got our agriculture advocacy for the week. We got our mental health advocacy for the day. This is beautiful. This is awesome. Nathan, I really appreciated having you on the podcast today to talk about your SAE project. Guys, thank you for listening. I will see you all for another podcast in two weeks, and I can't wait for the next podcast.